0: and welcome to shift f1 a podcast about speedy race cars that by the way is a mexican idiom that translates to we already took care of the clown <laughs> okay who's the clown why the clown i'm not sure who the clown is it's a phrase used to express something that did not go well mm. uh, let's just say some people's tire strategies took care of the clown this weekend i'm just Scanlon. joining me danny o'dwyer how are you danny I'm doing, I'm doing a very good happy Halloween, everyone. Happy uh Dia de Muertos oh. as well.
1: Um, as we've just spent uh, much of the weekend watching a Dead Race, <laughs> 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 which we're now going to talk about on the podcast and try to make it as entertaining as possible.
0: Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh yeah, way <laughs> skipping the bottom <laughs> of the page there. Uh I have I have felt better <laughs> about F1, uh
2: for sure, but there were still there were still some moments.
0: Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One in general, we've got an episode just for you the preseason primer. Uh, assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get all of that fun stuff... Head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, Myself and Rob did a Patreon-exclusive podcast
1: on Gone in 60 Seconds, which was a lot of fun. uh, I'm sorry I missed it. I'd never seen it as well. So it was like, it was a whole... I was very upset by the fact that Nicolas Cage is the same age... I am now in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that at all. Um, he's 36, but I did. And J.J. Jody was 25. It was wild. But uh, well, we talked about that. And then hilariously, at the end of the episode, as we were sort of like wondering if there was ever a sequel, we stumbled upon the story of the original Gone in 60 Seconds, which sounds like a sort of a Tommy Wiseau style um uh, action movie. Uh, so we now definitely have to watch that this month. <laughs> we, we, we came away being like, oh, we might have watched The Wrong gun in 60 seconds. So um, enjoy that double feature coming to you this month on shift shiftf1. And a massive thanks thanks to all of our incredible title sponsors, Kick Aha of the Art, who was very nice to phonetically write their name down this month. Ah. A- at- sorry, Kick Aha. Kick a Have the art. Team Blackjack. Michael Maves. Gordy's Army. Talking Autos. Olivia Evans. Pyrite's Card Castle. Iron Station Studios. Alan McCrary, Telemetry Deck is below the cost, costcap dot I swear to God, every week. <laughs> David Mule. Drew Stewart. Bailey Foot. Abdullah Althani. If you're a Sky Glass customer, you can listen to highlights <laughs> of the podcast while listening to this podcast. Abraham Getschel, Enzo and Ayrton, <laughs> Redacted, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and Jason Kelly. The only Lachlan I know, except for the Madden Man, is, isn't the, isn't Rupert Murdoch's son called a Lachlan as well? It sounds like a, a,
0: it, it a, sounds like a name you would, you would know people named that.
1: Lachlan Murdoch. It's very... I don't know, throaty and Scottish, it sounds.
0: Yeah. Lachlan. There you go. Sounds like they're from a rainy country.
1: It does. Yeah. It's raining here today, actually, in Nevada, which is nice. Whenever it rains in the Bay Area, it's like, it's just like getting a shower after being in the desert for four months. You just, it it needs it. It's just the ground. Bertie Eccleston
0: would love it because all the cars start skidding over the road, too. Oh, yeah.
1: It's great. I used to live beside the highway. I used to live beside 580. And whenever it would rain, we would just hear. Eeeh, and you just wait to hear if the crash happened some mm. sometimes it didn't sometimes they just get it and then they they kept going but sometimes they did
0: well sometimes we have a race that isn't so exciting uh let's get through it there's some <laughs> there's some interesting stuff in here um but let's just run down danny, the grid. R- danny ricardo here to help us yes all. <laughs> Ama- amazing I, yeah. I guess the w- <laughs> when, uh, when the race is good, Ricardo is bad, and the reverse <laughs> is also true. Yeah. Uh, the grid, Max Verstappen on pole position. Uh, George Russell lining up second. Lewis Hamilton in third. He lost his first time in qualifying uh, in Q3 <clears throat> due to a track limits violation, so he had, I always love this when this happens, one shot. You got one shot, Lewis on Hamilton. Spaghetti. Don't throw it away. Your shot.
1: Do not miss your chance Hamilton. to blow.
0: Uh, before putting in a good enough time for third at the very last moment, mm. uh, Sergio Perez, fourth. Pretty cool to hear the roar of the crowd whenever he entered the stadium section <laughs> yeah, in qualifying. That was, that was neat. Um, Carlos Sainz in fifth. Valtteri Botas in sixth. Valtry Botas in sixth. Valtry Botas in sixth. Mm. In his Alfa Romeo, splitting the two Ferraris of Carlos Sainz in fifth and Charles Leclerc in seventh. Although Leclerc did crash in free practice, too. Uh, Lando Norris in 8th, Esteban, I'm sorry, Fernando Alonso in ninth, Esteban O'Connor in 10th. Then we've got Daniel Ricciardo lining up in 11th. Watch this space. Uh, Joe Guan Yu uh, in 12th, his first time at this track, which is impressive. And then Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, Mick Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, Alex Albon, Nicholas Latifi, Kevin Magnussen got a five-place penalty for use of uh, uh, power unit elements. And then Lance Stroll in 20th, he was penalized three places for the collision in uh, the U.S. Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, the Red Bulls and Ferraris all starting on soft tires. Mercedes, only ones of the top six on the mediums. Mediums. Yes, the mediums. Uh, do you want to take us through the start,
1: Danny? Sure. Uh, Verstappen got away uh, pretty well. The Mercedes almost caused themselves a nightmare because Russell did not get away as fast as Hamilton. And Hamilton sort of tucked in behind Russell. Russell. Right away, and then they were sort of fighting each other, which then, if there's one driver who's good at fighting car drivers who are fighting themselves, it's Sergio Perez. He's used to being in, the, in that big pack at the start of a race and uh, fighting for position, but they did sort themselves out. Russell got a good toe behind Hamilton. Um, and pulled out to the side. Hamilton then sort of uh, occupied the other side of the, the track. So by the time they got through turn one, Hamilton had basically defended against Perez. Uh, Russell had sort of, I guess, maybe gone in a little deeper than he would have liked, or I don't know what happened exactly so on turn two. I would say, the so. Eight-
2: I I looked at this pretty closely. Turn two is actually where he loses it. He and Hamilton yeah. are going side by side, and uh, Russell goes really hard on the inside and clips the curb yeah. in, in turn 2 that unsettles the car and slows his approach to 3 and he hit, he goes off the on the curb uh at turn 3 as well and so like you know he he said after the fact that he was too cautious he was he was going out of his way to avoid having a a dust up with Hamilton right uh and 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 that that could that could well be true it, it did seem like he was leaving a lot of racing room to the point it it compromised his his own race uh you know at the same time that's Observing the first commandment of being a team driver, Uh, don't don't take your team out and with an asterisk, don't do it uh, at the start.
1: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, as you say, Perez sort of was waiting, lying in wait for that type of misstep and uh, overtook Russell on the way into, I think it was four, I think by four yeah. he, he had it done. So, um, yeah, bummer for Russell, who out-qualified and, you know, is outscoring his teammates this season, you know, and uh, but wasn't able to, to, to make it stick at the start of the race. So we're looking at Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, Russell, and then... I think the two Ferraris had a decent start. They're in fifth and sixth at this stage. I don't know what happened to Botas during that, but uh, that's kind of the order of things for the next while.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Ricardo on lap 13, having lost a couple of places at the start, actually. Uh, he gets Joe with DRS uh, for 12th place. Botas, I should uh, correct myself, also started on the medium tire. Um, mm,
1: okay. Well, that's probably why he slipped back then.
0: Yeah, he, he dropped two places. Uh, it's also around this time... Well. Yeah, that uh, Gasly goes for a move on the inside of Stroll, who had gained five places at the start, actually. wow, uh, he, he tends to do well at starts. Um, but Gasly locks up, which forces Stroll to go wide to avoid him, uh, ceding the place to Gasly. This earns Gasly a five-second penalty for forcing another driver off the track. Uh, And it's around lap 23 when the pit strategies start to show themselves. Perez and Verstappen pit from third and first, respectively, both going from soft to medium. Uh, Hamilton, who's on mediums, radios on lap 25 that his tires are still okay. Uh, Mercedes eventually brings him in on lap 30 to change to hards. Uh, And then they do the same with Russell a few laps later. No places gain or lost in the pits. No undercuts or overcuts or anything. Uh, Things shake out to uh same they were before. Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, Russell are the top four. Uh, lap 41, good little scrap between Ocon and Botas for 10th place. Ocon gets a run on Botas down the main straight, uh, then takes him around the outside of turn one, but Botas gets a slipstream and tries to fight back in the next section as Ocon uh, gets kind of a, a, a poor exit, uh, but Ocon keeps the place. There mm. are some parts of... I was trying to think, like, I have wanted to go to the Mexican Grand Prix because, like... It's a it's it's close for a Californian uh, it's, Rice, it's probably yeah. you know relatively cheap for the, uh, if you're spending dollars um, and I, I don't think I kind of want to stay in the stadium section because it seems cool, but nothing ever happens there. I no. think turn one is probably the place to be, but there's also that like four five six complex that a lot of stuff happens too. Um, I don't know it, it's, it's like it might actually be more fun in person than on TV, which you yeah, can't well, really say for a lot of the tracks. Yeah, if anyone's been, actually,
1: this would be a really good one to get one of those emails about um, about your time at the circuit. I think that would be an interesting one, because I I feel the same way. I'm like, it always seems well attended. I don't know if it's well run is the only thing. I don't know if it's like a nightmare to get in and out or anything, uh, but I, I, I think the vibes there are good. I think it's, fu- like, I'd be a Sergio Perez fan well, that weekend, you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. I feel
2: like that's kind of the bet F1 is making, right? Is that you know, we are going to destination races and who cares if the race is all that good. <laughs> right. If the crowd experience is good, if it, if it packs in uh, a lot of seats, like the, the audience figures for this were, were pretty enormous. Uh, if, if memory serves, I also saw there was some comments about, um, apparently they may have allowed too many people with the paddock passes uh, through and drivers and teams were really oh, kind of freaked out by how congested uh, the, the pit lane was with like, with like civvies during the weekend. Um, uh, I have the number here thirty nine thousand. Sorry, three hundred ninety five
1: thousand. Um, this is so almost, almost four hundred thousand people. Yeah, which I think there was was a three hundred k at Austin. I
2: think. Yeah, maybe, I think, maybe more. I think that was like a full. Yeah, I think Austin gave a full weekend uh figure as well, or a three day pass figure. Um, oh, just a, just a quick thing. Do we mention uh, Gasly making the calculation that keeping a spot he got away from stroll uh by going off the track was was cheaper than uh returning to stroll and staying behind him Oh really? Yeah,
0: I mean if it's only a 5 second penalty and you're on a tear then Yeah, hey. you where they finished,
2: <laughs> you did not want to be behind Lance Stroll uh in in yeah. this race like it was a a very clear example of uh you know there there's some cars where if you can if you can get past them it almost doesn't matter what the stewards are going to do just yeah. just get
0: away Yeah. Um, Lap 43, Hamilton not happy with his hard tires. Uh, His engineer radio is back. We did see a drop off with the mediums. So some may struggle to get to the end on that. Essentially saying, you know, we would have lost even more time if we stuck it out on the mediums and then switched to softs. Uh, And, you know, the Red Bulls will also find the same cliff that the meat on the on those medium tires and by then we the mercedes cars may have uh, warmed up our hard tires and be much faster and in the long run we're all dead (laughs) what (laughs) some existential
1: crisis getting dropped in here randomly
2: uh no it's just that like i i think this is sort of quintessential like why you end up doing stuff that makes you look dumb when you're disadvantaged in a in a duel like this Uh, it it did seem like they could have, they could have played the medium strategy out longer. Uh, but they, they went to like, I'm trying to remember people, maybe people can like write in and like cite examples where this worked out but I feel like in my head, it feels like the, the soft medium hard thing is supposed to kind of work out this way. where like the hard will over time, it will have, it will have the pace over a super long stint. The race might come to you. Um, it feels like that doesn't happen though. Like in, in so many places, it turns out the medium has like wild durability and the hard has similar durability, but also not the performance. And that seems to be what, what happened here. Certainly Russell, uh, just started just started complaining about this uh for the duration of the race uh like the the moment those those hards were fitted uh he was he was on the horn uh it it felt like every five minutes
0: yeah neither of them are happy and and mercedes the team just keeps reassuring them uh but uh maybe (laughs) maybe it's more hopeful than uh than data driven uh, lap 51, Daniel Ricciardo, as we've mentioned, is looking racier than he has in years, uh, I would say. He tucks up behind Sonoda here, and uh, as they wind their way through the complex of 4, 5, and 6, Ricciardo goes up the inside of uh, turn 6, and his left front crunches into Sonoda, <laughs> bouncing him off the track as their tires touch. So it, to me, this looked like a really clumsy move, Yeah, um, which is a, actually a little corroborated by something ricardo said uh about it after the race and this quote from race fans "Uh, i didn't lock the brakes i stayed on the apex the truth is i didn't actually plan or want to overtake him there i mean of course i'd love to overtake him but i wasn't into that corner to outbreak him and overtake him i just thought if i stay there all the grips on the inside of that corner It's very dusty. So I thought if I could just stay there, keep him a bit on the dirty line, I'd get a better exit. Mm. And we probably needed to give each other another 20, 30 more centimeters and we'd be fine. Probably not even that. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) sometimes things just come at you, I guess. I saw
2: Ricardo mention, he was like, I don't think, I I do not feel like it was 100% my, because they gave him a a pretty steep penalty, right? They gave him 10 seconds. 10 seconds, uh, yeah. Tsunoda retired after this. Um. And he said, you know, he was saying he thought the penalty was a bit harsh and that it wasn't 100% on one side and 0% on the other And I agree with that, basically. Like, I think it it, it looked to me like, you know, Tsunoda rakes across him, and I don't necessarily think that's Tsunoda's fault either. The cars are enormous. When they angle like that across these tight corners, um, you know, there's just not a lot of room. And I do think like Russell had just a little bit more closing speed at that point than he expected, and like the geometry of the turn, uh, just just worked against both of them. But yeah, it it didn't seem it didn't seem egregious, uh, you know, from any standpoint. But in a lot of ways, it might have also salvaged the race, right? That thank God for that penalty. Mm. Uh, and, it, re- and- it
1: remind <laughs> sorry, it reminds me of the signs Russell thing, where like I don't think Sonoda is to blame at all, but sometimes you find yourself driving directly to the scene of the accident like in the case of Signs last week where mm-hmm. he didn't help his cause and he was you know he didn't he's not to blame for the accident but he has a part in making it happen for sure and you're right like Sonoda in this case a wiser head wouldn't have maybe you know tightened it up that much and made it so they crashed he probably didn't even notice right he was driving his race and on his you know on his line or whatever but yeah just a shame but like you said at least it sort of put fire in the belly of Ricardo, and now is a 10-second penalty. Ricardo unleashed. What yeah. was it Brundle <laughs> said give him a 10-second penalty at the start of the race. Yeah. <laughs> See how he does. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, lap 54, Gasly goes for the same move on Vettel as he made on Stroll, but this time he doesn't lock up and gets the move done cleanly for 13th place. Uh, Ricardo, lap 58, continuing to move up the field this time, uh, getting Botas down the main straight with DRS for 9th place. Three laps later, Ocon is passing Alonso on the main straight for 7th, and Ricardo swoops in behind Ocon to grab 8th from Alonso. And then, hey, same place again on the next lap, Ricardo gets Ocon for 7th with DRS. Uh, And now his goal is to pull 10 seconds ahead of Ocon. How fresher his tires? Against everyone he else, changed on uh, lap forty-five,
2: <sighs> I think, uh, from medium to soft, and they mentioned a okay, so the legend toward the end. that This appears to be what uh, what Russell wanted. Russell to be doing, wanted, um, oh, okay, which was like do the extended stint on the mediums and then mm. finish strong on the softs on a day that appears to have been uh, pretty low tire wearing uh, yeah. across the board.
0: Yeah, it e- looks even
1: more frustrating for them.
0: Looks like Ocon and Alonzo at that time were on um, hard tires.
1: Well, Alonzo doesn't have to worry about it for much longer.
0: Hey, shout out no. to
1: the
2: RaceFans.net tire strategy chart that they changed. Uh, yeah. It's good.
0: Good infographic, it is good. gang. Yeah, it used to be like uh, just text. Like Yeah, it was an Excel, was an Excel chart. Yeah, yeah, and now it's, now it's graphical. Very cool. I, I love the... Uh, uh, the breakdown that they do we also take great advantage of their lap chart to make sense of the race here um <clears throat> but yes uh there's a reason maybe that alonzo let those two cars by which is that his engine was going to explode and it does so on lap 56 uh, 65 uh, just as he's driving down the main street and brings out a brief virtual safety car thankfully for norris he had just gotten a move done on Botas for ninth place. I wanted a safety car so bad.
1: Even here, Martin Brundle like, was like, eh, "It
0: would have been better if it was a full safety car."
2: They didn't need it because, like, the no. car was gone in a minute. But this like, is where oh. they need to bring out that that
0: old school. Like,
2: oh, time to dust the track. That like NASCAR, and <laughs> car, too. Where it's just like, gotta get the street sweepers out there. Uh, but I was also like, I was sitting there and I was like, I understand why the like front runners didn't go in. But I was sitting there being like, they're gonna pull Russell in. He had he had enough of a he had enough uh slack behind him that he could have come in and gotten to the spot cheap. He was coming around to uh the pit entry uh well after the, the VSC was called. Uh there are a few people that had the, that had the chance to, to opt in and I guess, you know, maybe it was a it was not a day where the, the, the pace differential was was that strong or uh, or maybe you didn't want to give up the track position. But it did feel like Russell was kind of out there in no Man's Land and was desperate to sort of get back into something resembling a race. Um, and they, they sort of punted on the decision to go for uh, the, the soft until very, very late when they're doing the, the fastest lap thing. But I'm surprised more people didn't sort of who were sort of in, in those places where you have a bit of a gap didn't at least see what they could do uh, with, with a different, different compound.
0: Yeah, uh, in the closing stages, though, Ricardo is trying desperately to keep that 10-second gap to Ocon, but Russell is coming up to lap him, and Ricardo says, again, this is from Race Fans, quote, In the last few laps, I was pretty nervous because George was so close to getting a blue flag for me, and I knew I would lose a couple seconds with that, and that would have dropped me back into Ocon. Mm. Then when I heard he pitted for fastest lap, I was like, he probably doesn't think it or know it, but uh I'll buy him a beer anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh So yes, Ricardo does keep that ten second gap Um, and Verstappen wins and the top six finish in the exact positions they were on in lap two. Yeah. And here Nars, are those positions. Nars
1: gobbled up some spots as well, we should mention. He got up to ninth
0: that's true yes the other the other McLaren was also passing folks uh Max Verstappen wins 14 race wins in a season which is a new record although as Max himself pointed out we do have more races in a season these days I think Vettel said something like let's go for 16 baby he can do it (laughs) (laughs) uh Lewis Hamilton in second Sergio Perez local boy rounding out the podium good for him uh, and then George Russell in fourth, Carlos Sainz in fifth, Charles Leclerc in sixth, Daniel Ricardo holds on to that seventh spot, then Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, and Valtteri Botas finishing in the top 10. Then we've got Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Joe Guan Yu, Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll in 15th, Mick Schumacher, Kevin Magnuson, Nicholas Latifi, and then the DNFs of Fernando Alonso and Yuki Tsunoda. And Russell did get the fastest lap. Sure did. And that's Mexico. Not the most exciting race. No, but we
1: did get that. Um, we we did get the, like, for whatever reason, they decided to mex- Mexico up the music.
0: Oh, but my amazing. gosh. The mariachi uh, version. Fantastic.
2: Yeah. Like, so much better than their standard <laughs> theme. Uh, it is an incredible arrangement of the F1 theme. Should they do it every race? Well, so, so the, the thing about that is, uh, this is actually really, like, the arrangement really works. It, it's it's totally matched to the ensemble they're using. I suspect it, it won't tra- like like Mexican horns like sound awesome. Like this is this just a known fact, and you can do a lot of cool things with them. I and they they did a cool arrangement with this. I do have I do just have a suspicion that like and we booked the chieftains to do the F one the F one theme. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a bit more of a
0: what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I mean it, it the, the strings translate to strings, the horns translate to horns like it's yeah, yeah mm. it's it's cool. Uh you, you found a YouTube version of it, Rob, yeah. which I th- sounds like what they were using. Yeah, uh, in I I broadcast mean, this, I think this it. is it,
2: yeah. They just pulled it off YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was uploaded <laughs> to YouTube, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 great shit. I love it.
0: Uh let's run down the driver standings here after the Mexican Grand Prix. Max Verstappen Uh, Still on top, what do you know, with 416 points in second place. Sergio Perez with 280 to Charles Leclerc's 275. That was a big flip. Uh, George Russell's in fourth with 231. Lewis Hamilton in fifth with 216. Carlos Sainz in sixth with 212. And then Lando Norris in 7th with 111. Esteban Ocon's got 82. Fernando Alonso's got 71. Valtteri Bottas in 10th with uh, 47 points. And we've got Sebastian Vettel with 36. Daniel Ricciardo with 35. Kevin Magnussen with 24. Pierre Gasly with 23. Lance Stroll with 13. And then Schumacher with 12, tied with Yugi Sonoda. Uh, Joe has 6. Alex Alban has 4. Latifi and DeVries tied with 2. And Nico Hülkenberg with 0. In the Constructor Standings, Red Bull Racing is on top, having clinched the Constructors' Championship with 696 points. Ferrari's in second with 487. Mercedes in third with 447. Two races left? Mm, It'd have to be pretty catastrophic Mm. for Ferrari, I think. Uh, Alpine's in fourth with 153. uh, Just ahead of McLaren with 146. That's an exciting race, especially after... Uh, the ascendant orange cars in this one uh, Alpha romeo's in sixth with 53 then aston martin with 49 gene haas and team in eighth place with 36 one point ahead of Alpha tower in ninth and then williams in 10th with eight points let's take it to the news shall we news we got some news finally we news. sure do rob take it away so the cost cap thing has
2: been resolved. Uh, so Aston Martin and Red Bull were both found guilty of procedural breaches. Uh, Red Bull was also uh, like signed an agreement uh, where they admitted to a minor overspend which came out to, I think, 1.8 million uh, pounds, actually. Uh, so it so was 1.8 million pounds, uh, less than the 5 million figure that was uh, being bandied about where, like, more severe penalties were being discussed. Uh, but what was sort of clarified in all of this was that in their accounting, Red Bull was an error by about 5 million pounds. So it, it appears that they submitted books that they felt were comfortably under uh but they had 5 million in like uh mistaken cost categorizations and uh deductions that I mean F-
0: that's money you just find in the couch you know like come on
2: <laughs> so the FIA the FIA wiped uh wiped that away and uh you know that that's the procedural breach and then the overspend is uh 1.8 million pounds uh and there's a penalty associated with that so there's going to be a Uh, seven million. I think it's a seven million dollar uh penalty fee um that they're that that they've been assessed, which I don't think is going to bear on their cost cap. So I don't think they're going to get like a double whammy of they're down seven million on the cost cap. People can correct me if I'm wrong, but given that they've been very clear about what they're complaining about, I would feel that if this if, if this were being held against their cost cap, they would have brought that up as well. But the uh thing that they are being hit with. Uh, is that they have a 10% reduction to aerodynamic testing time uh next season and as a reminder uh we we discussed this like i think last year or 2 years ago when this was being uh like put in the works uh one of the few things that red bull that that f1 as a series now has uh as sort of a a balancing a, a game balance uh thing is that the least the the worst finishing teams get the most uh, like testing time for new components uh, in, in the following season and the most successful teams uh, like have, have a reduced amount of testing time. So this is a place where Red Bull is going to be down to, I want to say 63% of the max uh, testing times that the teams will have next year. Mm. So it'll be a pretty, it'll be a pretty, pretty significant uh, restriction to aerodynamic testing. uh. You know, the reactions are what I would say is, um, you know, in Formula One, you can almost view the way teams and team principals discuss. It's more it's best understood almost through an international relations filter of everything is about signaling and putting markers down for later if things come up again. So you got Horner out there. Uh, talking about this is a completely uh, draconian penalty. $7 million is an enormous sum, uh, but the restrictions to testing is a, a, more, draco- a, a more draconian part of the settlement. Uh, you know, Horner, Horner said that that represents an, an enormous amount. It's anywhere from between a quarter and a half seconds worth of lap time that comes in from now. That is a direct effect on next year's car and will be in place for a 12-month period. By winning the Constructors' Championship, we'll become victims of our own success – in addition to that 10% having um a 5% incremental disadvantage or handicap compared to the second or third place, that 10% will uh put into reality will impact our ability to perform on the track next year. Ferrari, sure. on the other hand, have been very clear this is nowhere near enough. Um, you know, they, they and they, they make some good points in in their argument against this settlement. Uh they said Two million euros is a significant amount. Uh, that's the that's the overspend. Uh, we've given our opinion several times on the topic. We at Ferrari think the amount is worth around a couple of tenths per lap, and so it's easy to understand that these figures have a real impact on the outcome of the races and maybe even the championship. That's we can take or leave, you know, whether it's actually worth that amount. But the point they make is that okay, there's going to be this like there's going to be this testing restriction, but at the same time. You know aerodynamic testing costs money and so with them having reduced aero time that is money that's going to be freed up to be deployed elsewhere so for our like ferrari's position is that effectively this is the kind of, kind of penalty that's going to come out in the wash of right. the operations of the red bull team uh and it still can't quite make up the advantage that red bull has gotten um and then you know wolf over it Mercedes has kind of been the most circumspect about this really uh you know arguing that <laughs> it's it's too little uh for for everyone else um and too much for Red Bull uh and you know he says it's kind of it's 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 tough, it's tough to judge how detrimental this is going to be uh you know his, his argument though is that the the big hit is reputational uh you know have Red Bull having been sort of forced to admit that they they breached the rules uh i think What's funny is with, with all this, like, complaining and, and gnashing of teeth over the settlement, everyone, like Red Bull's like, we hate this, this ruling, but for the good of F1, we will accept it. Ferrari's like, we hate this ruling, but for the good of F1, we need to accept it and move on. And so I, I do think there's a lot of, like, posturing. In all of this. And I think this is why you end up with a with a, with a settlement like this. Uh, you know, Red Bull's at pains to say, like, you know, you couldn't possibly have done more. Uh, this is the, sort of the limits of of what you can do to us and that we'll accept. Uh, and Ferrari's got to sort of rattle the saber and say, this is the bare minimum. Uh, you know, honestly, you should have done more. Uh, and if you can't police this more seriously in the future, you know, maybe we'll take drastic steps. Uh, I, think it, I think it all comes out. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is all sort of. Everyone is actually like quite happy to take the settlement. I also think everyone is trying to keep their powder dry for the next time this comes up yeah. uh, to really fight their corner much harder. I think, um, really well said. I
1: think a, a large part of the, f- the the sort of fallout from this and the, and you know reading what people are saying now is also sort of showing maybe how they were a little bit more gussied up than they sort of needed to be like i think a lot has been made of this maybe that wasn't particularly accurate to what red bull had done i think it sucks that they did it i think it's it will hurt their reputation they've been dragged through the month for months over this there is now another asterisk on another championship for some people right which is the last thing they probably wanted after last year they're clearly sensitive to us. They banned uh, Sky from interviewing any other people on in Mexico because Ted Kravitz had intimated that Max had won last year's championship with like under weird circumstances, which is accurate. <laughs> I feel like Kravitz is one of the only people who's able to just speak openly about that and not be weirded out. Um, so they're clearly super sensitive to it. And in many ways, like whenever financial fair play is used in any sport, there's always somebody tripped up like it's its It's kind of inevitable in many ways that this happened this you know but but I wish they would just keep their noses clean like for goodness' sake, and I think as it's this is reminding me a little bit of the of the old Red Bull era where like red bull were, were always kind of like sore losers, but they're also bad winners like they're it, they're it's not fun. When they w- when Mercedes win at least, there's a, a degree of, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of either team, I don't support any team in F1, but there's a degree of contrition that comes when they win and sort of like, you know, we're going to keep, and they focus on themselves and all this sort of stuff. Red Bull are such little, I don't know, they just often come there's, across there's, as like bitter rich kids yeah. or something. I don't know what it is.
0: There's they value just, in painting yourself as the underdog all the time.
1: Yeah, to a way that like Mercedes would make motions towards like, you know, every year we we don't know how good the car is and we have to battle and all that sort of stuff. But Christian Horner has su- got such a like crucifixion complex and so does max like to be like winning the championship and then you ban red bull because ted kravitz said something that you didn't like and then you go in it like i I swear to god also every time they interview max about anything he talks about haters online like turn your phone off dude you're a grown adult like you're winning championships you don't need to constantly be the victim you're not a victim (laughs)
2: so there's a quick thing just to um because i want to talk about the the sky thing a little bit more but I think to close the loop on the the budget cap thing, one question I have is, you know, everyone was saying that like cost overrun is going to go into performance, like that's just how it's going to work, and that actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because you know your fixed costs are your fixed costs, and the budget cap takes that into account. Uh, and anything that's left over, you're going to put into performance. And so, whatever you got, you know, Horner's saying that it was actually spare parts costs that caused the overrun, uh, which I'm sure, like that's kind of where things slip. But ultimately, what what ends up, you know, the the money that is in excess probably does end up going into uh, R and D and performance. But the question for me, I I, I, re- I realize they don't really have a good answer for this. I don't know, out of that baseline budget cap. How much money is basically spoken for as the bare minimum cost of shipping a car for freaking wheel? Two cars, eight freaking wheels. Drivers team. How much is it just eaten up by like running the team for a year, keeping the lights on, like get, getting everything around uh, the world for these races, patching the cars up when they get get wrecked as they inevitably will? How much is actually left over for R and D mm. when you factor all that in? Because it, I think you know. When you say it's like it's a 1.8 million pound overrun, that actually doesn't sound like all that much given the the, the total cost of the budget cap. But what? But it turns out that the teams are all like it costs so much just to like hold the team together that parts development and research ends up being just like you know uh, several million a year. Suddenly, these overruns do look a lot more significant, right? I just yeah. have no idea like what yeah. the what the scale is when you get past the fixed costs what what is left over in that budget for these teams
1: yeah that's that's a good point yeah like as a percentage of what the budget would have been that might be a 40% increase or you know yeah it's it's just messy it's weird it just it also shows you i think just how much money plays into has played into the sport historically and also probably how much like shit houseery was going on in F1 prior to them having regulations like this cuz at least now there's an eye on some of this sort of stuff and at least now we know that you know you can say like it, this wasn't the eventuality you wanted from this maybe but like at least the system is some way capable of at least monitoring and adjudicating on it in some respect um which is better than before so when, i don't know i think like i think whenever things like this happens we we sort of lean towards you know, we we glance over at Lady Justice and say, do, you know, do your work. And I think in situations like this where we know so little and it's murky and nobody really understands why happened or why and we're all just sort of shooting in the dark, no one's ever going to be satisfied. And it just feels like one of those stories. It doesn't feel satisfactory. And same as the ending race last year, it's just something that happened and we just have to continue with our lives and it's kind of annoying.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's calvin and Hobbes that says um a good compromise leaves everybody angry
1: yeah 100 yeah, i feel like that's exactly. what's happening here and yeah, rob
0: to yeah. answer your question i have a a 2019 article from essentially sports uh it's <laughs> a sorry. great name
1: for a publication <laughs> yeah now i'm like now i have questions it's like there are questions about my what's <laughs> that meme it's like now i'm not, essentially sports what else is going on over there
0: uh well they've got uh, budget numbers from the 2019 Formula One season, Williams at the bottom with $132 million, which we could probably agree is the bare minimum. Um, and Mercedes at $484 million. Hmm. 2019. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know,
2: Denny, you're like, uh, you know, so much shithousery back in the days. My, my thought immediately flipped to the DOS right we're like just the just just mercedes being like fuck it active camber system let's go Uh, give an extra
1: 40 million let's do this weird thing yeah
2: yep is it legal Uh, probably we'll build it
1: (laughs) yeah that was a real advantage as well you know until they chopped it off them yeah it's a weird season it's a weird season Uh, I don't know if this goes in here, but it's just, it is interesting hearing like the way they talk about Verstappen um, with all of the, you know, wins. Obviously, he's the first one as well to mention this, you know, he's smart. He's, you know, there are more races and all that sort of stuff. And I think we talked about it last year, but it's just, it's Sergio Perez is the problem here. It's like without, if Perez is able to fight for him at all, we have a, we have a, you know, a shot. Charlotte Claire did his best. Fair play. And I think also in like, weirdly, in a like, In a bad Red Bull, maybe not having the best sort of image at the moment. Leclerc is doing a lot, and so is signs for Ferrari's image, like because they are, I think, historically a non-likable team unless you are, uh, you know, an Azuri or a Tafosi. And I think um, Carlos, especially, uh, just
2: rules. Like that, that guy just seems (laughs) that guy seems cool.
1: Yeah, he seems. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm, look. What's happening is the same thing that happens every. Time the season is wrapped, where I'm already wistfully looking towards next year, next year, and what may be,
0: what may be. Well, uh, you guys mentioned Sky um, being boycotted by Red Bull this weekend. Um, Autosport has an article about this. They so they they declined to talk to Sky uh, at all this weekend, and as Autosport points out, this appears to come in reaction to a clip from Sky Sports F1's UK coverage of the United States Grand Prix where pit reporter Ted Kravitz used the word robbed on multiple occasions when discussing Lewis Hamilton's title defeat to Verstappen in 2021. I would love to see a transcript of this. I watched
1: it actually when it was I watched it because I watched his notebook after when it it usually pops up on YouTube.
0: Um, Because it doesn't i I could imagine and again i don't have the the direct quote in front of me but i could imagine a context where he's not even talking about Verstappen, right no he's so he was narrative built he was like imagining a narrative
2: right danny this is like sports illustrated like has his quotes where he's basically talking about how it would have been cool the narrative of um you know of of Hamilton doesn't win a race all year and finally comes back at a track where he could win the first race all year battling the same guy who won the race he was robbed of in the pre- previous year and managed to finish out of him and so I think like Kravitz is just talking about like the story the storybook version of f one uh, that, right. that you think you're going to get and he says uh but that's not the way the script turned out today because the guy that beat him after after uh, he was robbed actually overtook him because he's got a quicker car, because of engineering and Formula One and design, and pretty much because of Adrian Newey uh, over there. And so, like, yeah, yeah, none of this is
1: incorrect. <laughs> like, that's like you can say we're not saying Max didn't or he's not saying Max didn't deserve the championship last year. We, we talked in circles around the fact that, like, they, they were it was neck and neck right until the end. But Lewis Hamilton was robbed last year of that final race. Like, yeah. there's
2: no, like, like I'm not, a,
1: I have no, we, we have, just, Michael Massey does not work in F1 anymore. <laughs> They've changed no, the and, rules. And
0: already people had to, like, we walk on. We know that that was the case. Everyone had to walk like, on there's no denying that. You, you don't so, change the so, rules if everything went perfectly.
1: No, they, uh, who in F1 thinks that Hamilton wasn't robbed at the end of last year? That was the whole, th- like, I don't, it's perplexing to me that they're like,
0: gonna get so many emails we're gonna they're well, already being typed i thing. can but hear them the thing, thing. i'm right. not saying
1: max didn't deserve to win the championship or like or that I max know. was a, I, or that max was a fault he did nothing wrong th- and this is the red bull th- no, did nothing the, wrong.
2: I'm like and i'm tired yeah. of having to clarify this where we always walk on eggshells where it's like now nobody <laughs> says that max isn't a very <laughs> good driver he can nobody's drive the car saying he that he yeah. stole a championship he doesn't deserve to be a world championship obviously he's so good But we like we like all of that's always been couched that way. And this this boycott stuff kind of reminds me like it is hard for me to look at the stuff not like and not see parallels to like. The way the politics and culture war stuff have tended to play out over the last like 15, 20 years where like the constant working of the refs. Uh, to 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 like to try to like set markers down about uh what is acceptable what are acceptable critiques to levy against someone uh you know constant accusations of bias like if Christian Horner gives off like the strongest um like Tory vibes imaginable in yeah. f one uh, which is saying something given who tends to who tends to run teams uh, in F1 and Christian Horner sort of stands apart, um, you know, in that category. And Max gives off like frequently like weird edgelord vibes, uh, you know, in in many cases when you see things like this, where it's okay, we're going to boycott sky because of constant disrespect, disrespect. Well, what's the disrespect Um, describing the actual historical record of what happened. I have a quote from Verstappen here.
0: Yeah. Um, this year it's been constant kind of daily being disrespectful, especially one person. And it's enough. I don't accept it. You can't live in the past. You just have to move on. Social media is a very toxic place. And if you are constantly being like that on live TV, you only make it worse instead of trying to make it better. You keep disrespecting me. And at one point, or I I guess at this point, I'm not tolerating it anymore. That's why I decided to stop. He already did this with Netflix. He already yeah. refused to take yeah. part part in
2: Netflix. It turned like the problem, the, like sometimes the reason people don't like you is cause you're unlikable. And like, that's, that's kind of the thing here is his strategy. Now and it's ironic, sort of like ta- like playing the social media card because the strategy is basically to, well, fine. I'm not going to cooperate with the biased uh, and, and hostile media. I'm just going to speak directly uh, to, to my fans uh and by the way like Kravitz has been harassed uh since since all this started up as well but like when when i see this track record of won't talk to won't talk to the media because he doesn't like how they 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 speak about him won't talk to one of the most important media products in F1 uh drive to survive because he doesn't like how he's portrayed he thinks the the editing has been unfair to him uh et, et cetera uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's sort of a classic, if everyone you meet is an asshole, you're the asshole. And I, and I mm. kind of feel like that is, that is a play with, with Red Bull and with Max. Um, it's like, it's, it's awkward. Cause it's like, having said that it's very easy now to, to say to me, well, you're just biased against Max. Um, I have no, uh, I have no, uh, interest in what I mean, what I mean is that, I'm detached from all this. I have no like stake in how all this plays out, but it is true that like after a certain point, I am going to evaluate the evidence in front of me and the, the track record established, and I'm going to reach conclusions like max does like max, is not always a appearing on a blank piece of paper, a blank slate with no context, like there's context around this guy. It's not good. Um, you know that's that's unfortunate, I suppose, if you really like him. But it is increasingly how it appears to be uh, for people who sort of followed his career. I I feel like
1: I, I I come I want I want to like every driver on the grid. I think that's the place that I come from, where I try and look for the best in everything, and I wish. There are some times when Max just gets in his own way, I think, and I don't even know if this is coming from him if this is a red Bull power play, I don't know what it is, but it just reeks of like holier than thou nonsense like if they can't take the most like 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 as an adult, if you're an adult and you re- you hear what Ted Kravitz says, there's nothing there's nothing disrespectful or wrong or it's what I imagine happened is then a bunch of people quoted him or copied him and then, like, tweeted at Max those clips or something. And then he got angry about it. And Because he keeps going back to social media. Social media has nothing to do with what Ted Kravitz said. Ted Kravitz does not put his videos on Twitter. He's, <laughs> it's it's a broadcasted on television. So, like, if there's a conversation that's happening in the internet space around these things, that is not the, resp- you know, that's not necessarily... It's- and the thing that I think that irritates me is that he goes on. The whole idea of this is that he doesn't want to spin the wheel anymore. That it's a, it's a controversy wheel. that's getting spun up every once in a while that he wants to not do it. But by doing this, that is exactly what is happening. It's creating more division. And I think what's what's annoying is that Red Bull have been like... the Red Bull are like to blame for a lot of this because they have sort of established the barriers uh these really wide barriers of like don't don't go near us right which which a lot of like big brands do it happens in games it happens in motorsport it happens in everything right and the the, the thing that's sort of like sad to me is that that is often reflected within max's fan base that sort of sensitivity to calling into question his greatness and that comes from red bull that's the, that has been signalled by them and by max and this is another example of it of him being like don't don't even talk about me and uh, for me the reason I don't like this is because this is the thing that creates the bad vibes in F1. It's not it's not um you know the 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 stupid decision on the final race that happened. It's this. It's this like this
0: constant I think it I think it lends a legitimacy bickerness that like that yeah. otherwise would just be like ah you yeah. know we can we can leave it all with the fans to do i think there is a little more context here that would what bears uh pointing out is that in the usgp you know they do like the uh here's a stage and we're gonna do a little interview in front of the fans all the drivers mm. and like the red bull guys came on and they got booed and like right. people shouting cheater at them and stuff um which that's is not that's extremely not extremely uncool <laughs> yeah like don't well, don't do that well hold on uh, you know
2: the thing is they like at that point the ruling wasn't in we didn't know the scope of it like you break the rules it appears to you got some sort of illegitimate competitive advantage that's the score people are going to shout mean shit to you like the houston astros have dealt with for years like this is this is the cost of doing business you know what you got to console yourself the world championship you're winning (laughs) and maybe as a
1: result who knows no one will ever know but they'll always yeah. think us you made your I, bed, I, like yeah, it's so it's weird
0: I think though that we're 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 in this when we've talked about this before, where like the fact that you know Netflix has contributed to this, and like I think I think there is a case to be made for social media and and the dramatization around Formula One now is galvanizing right you are you are taking a this is the only uh, analogy that I uh, have come up with you're taking a full color image and you are exporting it as a uh, a two bit gif right right you are taking so much color and crunching it down into only the hardest opinions um, and so there's no there's no room for for holding two things in your head at the same time uh, and I think it's not it's not getting better, but he, but but like we, it's 2022. Social media is not new. We
1: also yeah. know that it doesn't like create Completely. these things. It's just it's just another magnet, you know. So like, if he wants this stuff to go away, then don't Streisand affect Ted Kravitz. We're not talking about this unless no, unless like this I, happens. I
2: think to an extent, the the other thing you got to look at is. Having been in Boston for ages, like the New England Patriots vibes this this stuff also carries is is pretty strong. And mm-hmm. I think the like there are there are, I've seen the entire organization be motivated by spite and a feeling of being right. besieged. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that like well that's Red Bull's been like that for years. Right. And and right down to the fact that like this weird little like borderline gray areas of uh like Abu Abu Dhabi uh twenty twenty one is going to be uh the talk rule game of, of Red Bull, right? right. It's going to be as well. Well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be stuff like that. Uh, and that's going to be used by that team. And they seem to lean into it just as a core part of their, their identity. Uh, you know, Wolf has talked about like, he likes the practice of any enemy building. But like Red Bull do that work in public, right? Where it's like, we yeah. don't get the respect. Uh, like, you know, even before Max won his first world title, you know, you had uh, Horner out there being like, well, he's, he's obviously the best guy uh, out there. He just doesn't have the car to prove it yet. Uh, now he does have the car to prove it and it's still not enough, right? It's still like, there's not enough respect. Um, we, we are not being treated properly. Yeah, uh, like, why can't, just exactly. Like just, you've, you've dominated the season. Like but why, I, but I think, but, why? But I think it's because like, I think some like some people
1: need that fuel, like I, I well, yeah like totally if that's yeah if that's if I hear what you're saying like if that's the
2: mountain that you've decided to climb, then it, yeah but it makes them unbearable right it makes them yeah. tough to like endure because it is the sore winners complex so like how are we going yeah. to win more uh by finding some sort of new well of resentment and, and I will I will say just real quick here like. I do think there is, like, from what I can observe on social media, uh, like, the, the fan bases do skirmish all the time. They they, they scrap all the time. Uh, I, I will say, though, I think there is a difference between uh, sort of the sort of siege mentality that, that Max sort of stirs up, uh, like, among his fan base versus the exhausting uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton uh, is, is a patron saint, like version of the Hamilton stands out there who like mostly <laughs> like it's very lib-brained shit in some ways where it's like uh, hey, good morning, and have a thought for Sir Lewis Hamilton uh, overcoming all the things he has every day and still he rises. Like that's kind of the Hamilton fan base, which is like he's this avatar of optimism uh, right and like everything's happened. Should, should
1: be pointed out, George Russell is beating him and the standings at the moment.
2: Right. Uh, I think I think every fan base to a degree takes on a bit of the character, though, of of the avatars chosen, right? So you got Hamilton's sort of aspirational, like lifestyle brand, uh like, yeah. op, like, op, like optimist and activist uh like persona. That's reflected in the fan base. Verstappen's resentful shithead <laughs> Verstappen's yeah. resentful shithead uh like pose is also like sort of Uh, mimicked by the fan base
1: or it attracts those types of fans people who who see themselves mirrored in somebody and that's not a qualitative judgment or anything you know what i mean so yeah like i don't know it 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 showed like i'm getting worked up about it so clearly like (laughs) like fans must be getting much more worked up about it and i try and this is the reason why i don't try. i try not to support anyone because i i don't trust my judgment will be clear. I don't trust my judgment it will be clear now either, but it's just, I yeah, I, I in a, I, I had enough of that stuff last year and I wish they would stop throwing flames on the fire. And I wish they'd just grow up, like sack up, for goodness sake. What You can't take criticism from a pit lane reporter. You're a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, he's you, ten you won Kravitz. the championships. He's, he's, he's his ten whole Kravitz. Personas. Get he's over it. Yeah, he's just a lad talking on a microphone for 50 minutes, he, non-stop. He can't say something that you don't like. Like, just say you did it by accident. You know you know. Just get on with your life. Drink drink your champagne from your
2: golden goblet you know he's got it and, in, it in your Spice Girls house and shut up. Alex Albin just posts pictures of him and his family's pets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, <laughs> yeah.
1: The real villain is Christian Horner. God almighty. Just have, like, smile, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Rob Alpine's penalty from last race. Oh yeah. This is vacated. Done. Uh, so, uh, so
2: basically we had mentioned <laughs> that there was some procedural stuff around whether the, uh, review that Haas had requested was even valid given that it came in late. Uh, FIA basically came back and and wiped that entire thing away saying that uh Haas couldn't have placed the place the protest uh they, they they basically junked it and it does appear the only uh, real fallout's going to be sort of reconsideration how of how aggressive they have been with uh orange and, black and orange flags mm-hmm. uh with stuff like that because there have been cases where they've been like you got a winglet hanging off and they've they've flashed it and I, I do suspect there's been a recognition that they've been overzealous in some places, uh, and I would say, like I, I stand by this, they should have called Alonso in because that mirror was a big component that was bouncing around. That like the the real issue wasn't so much that Alonso shouldn't have had that place; it was that the stewards had missed. Like they, they should have called that car in uh, and gotten mm-hmm. the thing pulled off. But uh, either way, his position was restored uh, for the USGP. Yes,
0: yeah, so he got seventh place. Um... Yeah, and we should point out that (laughs) it was Haas that has gotten the brunt of, I think, three black and orange flags calls this season. So uh, they'll probably be uh, happy to hear that they're being reviewed. Um, And uh, lastly here, Rob, before we get to some quick hits, uh, the winter shutdown. Well, yeah, I mean, there's never been one before.
2: Uh, Teams have a holiday break, but they're discussing that they're not there yet uh, in terms of unanimity uh, having a full, like, enforced... Shut down over the holidays for uh, it sounds like either two weeks or a month or uh, two weeks maybe two weeks into the year the the phrasing is a little unclear to me uh, but it seems to me like uh, you know we've talked about the overwork and fatigue there's just sort of crop like creeping into f1 uh, mm-hmm. via the extended schedules uh, and and the pace they are operating in and it would not surprise me if there have been a lot of teams that reached reach the conclusion that like uh, in addition to the summer break, uh, they actually now need to enforce a proper winter break uh, and stop using that as a place where they just uh, bust ass on car development. Because right now, that that is what they are doing. You know, it's kind of down to every team to decide how much they they give their staff for the holidays, and it doesn't sound like anybody's missed holiday time uh, over this. But you know, the minute you're saying well, we're doing car development uh, throughout the winter, you know. Are people going to take a full two weeks? They're going to take 10 days and, and come back and do extra work. They're going to do the latter uh, in an environment as, as competitive as F1. So I, I certainly hope that the teams can come to some kind of agreement with this. I don't think that probably, that feels like a band-aid. I think the real issue with the workload for the teams is just going to be the extended season and all yeah. the flyaway dates that are going to come with it. But this is at least a way to start uh, building in some uh work life balance for for factory staff and and the team during during what's supposed to be a slow season anyway.
0: Great. Yeah, I hope it happens. Uh all right, couple quick hits here from Danny.
1: Yeah, uh, let me first of all just talk about the NASCAR thing cuz that's what everyone's been asking oh, us to talk about. Oh my god. Uh yeah, so uh there's a pretty crazy move going around on social media or if you're watching the race live, I guess, where uh in a I'll put the link in, in
0: the show notes by the way.
1: And I don't really understand a lot about how NASCAR works, but in basically a race that is essentially sort of deciding qualification for the championship. It's the
0: penultimate race of the season. And uh, this driver, Ross Chastain, was on the cusp of being eliminated from championship contention. Right. Yes, the NASCAR playoff system is strange.
1: uh, He is in 10th position as they approach the final turn of the final lap. And he does what can only be described as a a PlayStation-era video game move where he sets the car up on the top of the track and basically drives into the wall, the curved wall, and has the curved wall take him around at almost full speed, the apex of that turn, entering the next straight at incredible speed while all the other cars would have... You know eased off or gone
0: on the brakes well, it's not to, the, yeah it's not the apex because normally when you you slow down to make a turn you're you're trying to hit the apex right yes, he's but what if you didn't slow down what, what if, if you just, just made the wall turn you instead and, st- and he and just rides the
1: wall and then comes flying out and ends up gobbling up five places he ends up in fifth <laughs> And he probably would have ended up and forth had the car in front of him not been in the way um, up on that high side of the, the track. Um, absolutely incredible. People were saying and the commentary was saying that's like a video game move. Absolutely insane. Um, It turns out it legitimately was a video game move. This quote from Ross Chastain, when I asked him, how did you figure out how to do that? And like, why did you do it? He said, oh, I played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with Chad growing up and you can get away with it. And I never knew if it would actually work. I mean, I did what what when I was eight years old and I grabbed fifth gear. I asked Alpha 2 on the last lap if we needed it and we did. And couldn't tell who was leading, so I just made the choice. I grabbed fifth gear uh, down the back and full committed. So apparently he took his hands off the wheel <laughs> once I got <laughs> against the wall. I basically go go to the wheel and just let go of the wheel and hope I didn't catch the turn, f- turn four access gate or something crazy. But I was willing to do it. So he let go of the wheel just like had it in 5th gear <laughs> and then and then like hoped that he didn't hit a gate <laughs> and crash out like yaw his car into the sky oh. um absolutely insane and it was really funny cuz like the winner of the race was like you know doing you know standing on their car and all they were doing showing replays of this crazy guy <laughs> lunging into fifth position it was uh it was something else wasn't it
0: yeah absolutely and it kept him in camp- championship contention yeah wild um, and set a new lap record yeah, right. He was two seconds faster I think than,
1: than everyone else that lap, which is pretty uh, the, the radio
0: The radio reactions also from the rest of the field are priceless. I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Uh, uh, and Go ahead, Rob. I was, I'm wondering like, is this the sort of thing that's only really possible at Martinsville too, right? Like, uh, I think th- it's probably only sh- short tracks that yeah. this would work on. I remember another video game thing that was tried a few years ago in NASCAR where It's kind of the opposite, like a driver, uh, cut the, like he hit the apex, but really, really fast. And so bounced off the wall instead of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, slowing enough so that he didn't hit the wall. He just kept going fast so that he hit the wall on his exit and then hoped that he would, you know, bounce off and keep going faster. That didn't end up working. Um, but but this one did, and in fact uh, has even been seen apparently by Fernando Alonso, who retweeted <laughs> this Twitter video saying, "This is the best thing of 2022 in motor racing. We all did this on video games with Damage Disabled. Never thought this could become reality." <laughs> Clapping hands emoji.
1: It's so funny. It's like, and it's funny. Watch. I was watching interviews from some of the other teams, and they were like, "Yeah, i you know, the teams who like got knocked out and whatever. And they're like, "Yeah, I mean." Can't be mad at it, like, I didn't think we've all thought about it, <laughs> no one's done it before, or like apparently one guy done it a couple of years ago, but they were like, yeah, we've nothing bad to say, like, he he, he went for it and he got it, like, what can you do? Um, it's in the game. It's, if it's in the game, it's in the game, exactly, absolutely insane. I love that he played the GameCube version <laughs> Yeah, as well, what a weird one, um, yeah, and then the last piece of hits here uh, the quick hit news here is the uh is the news that uh, Audi has named Sauber as the works works partner for 2026. We knew that Audi was coming in during Spa this year in August. They said that they were going to be entering in 2026 but declined to name the team that they were going to be doing the deal with. Um so it is uh Alfa Romeo or I guess Sauber as they will be reverting to presumably. Um, in the coming years. They also confirmed that Audi will buy a stake in the company, but no details on the timing of the purchase or size of the shareholding has been given. This is from autosport.com. As previously announced, the team will continue to compete under the Alfa Romero name in 2023, but it's expected to reverse to its sauber identity in 24 and 25, assuming that the current Alfa sponsorship deal ends, which you would probably assume. Uh, The team will continue to use Ferrari power units for those interim seasons. So big change happening over at Alfa. Um Audi are in and the naming dance of Sauber continues.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, if you would like to uh join our fantasy league for the final two races of the season, you can do so using the link in the show notes. The top three from Mexico. We have a double Irish podium. Oh my god, good stuff. Chucky Garla, right. lads, Chucky Garla. <laughs> Uh, we have Mark from Ireland, um, in third place with balls of steel racing. Very good. Balls, balls, balls. Uh, in second place, David from America, David's team, red cars go faster. Wow. And, uh, do they? <laughs> uh, Danny, I might need your help with this one. Also okay. from Ireland. First place. Oisin? Oisin? Osheen. Oh no, right. Osheen.
1: O-I-S-I-N, is it? Yes. Osheen. Yeah, it's an Irish name, Osheen. All right. Uh with their team Simple Economics. Simple Economics. I should mention when I said Chuck Egar Law, I was do- I was doing the the uh the literal translation of that being our day will come. Which is just talking about Irish people. I wasn't actually supporting Sinn Fein when I said that. I wasn't. <laughs> so, I wasn't calling for a United Ireland or supporting the IRA. Sorry, I should say not Sinn Fein. Oh my God, I got the IRA and Sinn Fein mixed up. Emails, <laughs> next uh, emails next week are going to be a nightmare. Emails next week are going to be a nightmare. I'm going to yeah, be you're totally from, different. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> Republicans are going to be emailing me and uh, Max fans. I can't wait.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's, Overall... We're not here to take
1: part, we're here to take over. How about that? Oh, now people that don't like Conor McGregor, which is everyone, including me. And it's going to be me again. I'm going to shut up now.
0: Uh, Shift F1 Fantasy League overall standings. It's a Canadian lockout on the podium in third place, Roberts team, Alpino Noir. Great. Uh, and I believe the same Roberts team, Toto Sandbaggins in second place. <laughs> Unbelievable names. Just uh, top names they should be winning anyway. Yes, uh, but on top still, Michael's team from Canada, Leo Speed. Leo Speed.
1: Leo Speed. Can Leo Speed be cost? Uh
0: are they, are they
1: catchable? Who knows? Let's Leo see. Speed might have it wrapped up. I have already closed the tab. No problem. We'll find out in, in a couple of weeks. We only got uh, two races uh, left. Oh no!
0: Here it is. Uh, they are thirty-one points ahead. Oh, so it's still close. It's close up there. I think so. Keep speeding, Leo Speed. Uh, all right, so that's our fantasy league. You could also uh, send us an email at shift1podcast, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Mm. Diction.
1: Yeah, can't wait um, to read next week's. I've, hey, yeah. much, much like Red Bull,
0: I have laid my bed and I will have to sit in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you me. can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon and is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney is Rob Zachney's Twitter account. Uh, that's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Let's race around the world, hey, hey, hey. yeah. Those camping world trucks are back on track for their final race of the season, mm. at the Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona, at the Lucas Oil One Fifty. Avondale, we'd say Avondale, Avondale. I like it. All right, Avondale. That's
1: probably it. It's a place in England, I think.
0: Um. Let's see, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is also racing their final race of the season at the Phoenix Raceway. It's all happening. In the NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship. Uh, we have MotoGP at the Ricardo Tormo circuit in Valencia, Spain. Yeah. Uh, for the Gran Premio de la Comunitat Valencia.
1: Excuse me? Yes. That is also the final race of the season for MotoGP.
0: Yeah, we're we're getting down to it here. Mm. We've got Super GT, I think, in their final race of the season at Twin Ring Motegi. Oh, we love Twin Ring, Mo- Ring Motegi.
1: Well, Danny, I have some bad news. <laughs> oh, no. What? what happened to Twin Ring Motegi? It's
0: been renamed. No, no. Not since Camping World Truck have I been so disappointed. What's happening? Has it got a cooler it's name? Appa- no, it's called oh. the Mobility Resort God damn Motegi. It.
1: Well, look, I'm not going to come out here and say that I don't think mobility is important. So you're not going to catch me there, Satan. But I don't know. (laughs) Should we go to the mobility resort? Yes. Maybe they sell retro twin ring Motegi t-shirts in the gift shop.
0: Oh, that would be great. Uh, If we were to go, we would have to go to Motegi in Tochigi Prefecture. Oh, great. Really great prefecture. And we got an car.
1: Oh my! Are we an are we an Avondale?
0: We sure are
1: for the, for the NASCAR
0: what, what we got? Cup Series Championship. Oh, that's it. No Not sponsor a very required. Name, no nope. But sponsored, sp- by <laughs> sponsored by the GameCube. <laughs> sponsored, by NASCAR two thousand five.
1: Bet me to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's guys, it's the right. Only video game console with a handle. <laughs> <laughs> Can't carry it around. Uh, final thoughts, Danny. <laughs> I'm sorry, if I've contributed to the negative vibes with my, with my, um, with my defense of, of poor, innocent Ted maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm not a Red Bull fan, and I'm not a, a Max fan, and I'm not a Ferrari fan. I'm just a Ted, a Ted Kravitz pitwog fan. We must protect Ted Kravitz at all costs. That's where I'm coming from, I guess. Um, so apologies. He does about keep
0: the, uh, the, the GameSpot giant bomb dream alive of wearing shorts to every professional event,
1: he does. He does. Yeah, he's 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 down like that. I was reminded once. My wife was asking me about um uh um uh, Crofty because she was listening and she was like, "What does that guy look like?" Or how old is that guy? She she had a, she wanted to know what he looked like because she was hearing his voice all the time. And I was like, "Oh, that, did I tell you guys about the story? I think I did. of Of he came to the GameSpot offices in London. Um, once. really? So they did, yeah, they did a challenge for the f1 video game in whatever it was 2012 or 11 probably and they brought a uh a, like a fake front of a like a wheel basically a real wheel i think it was and a fake uh like assembly and you had to add a screw gun and you had to like put it in it was like a practice dummy one of it and it was the pit fa- stop the, challenge pit stop challenge basically yeah and they went round to all of the uh, UK games coverage sites, and we were like halfway through the day, and I had the fastest time by that time. But I think somebody at VG twenty four seven might have beaten me out or something. Ugh. Um, uh, which makes sense because, like, I think Mike Channel was man, he wasn't down there, but he, he he's big into motorsport. Maybe he did it Eurogamer. Um, but Crofty was really nice. He was like a super like he was around. We were, he was around for like an hour because we were like doing this whole thing, and everyone was having a go. And he was like super chill and a nice guy. So
0: he seems like a nice guy. The- yeah. There you go. Speaking of nice guys, Rob's final thoughts. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see uh what happens to Danny's house this marching season. Uh, given the, the end of this this episode, I'm I'm curious all the, the enemies uh, Danny's made oh, here yeah. uh, at the end. I think this, this last minute pandering to uh, Crofting, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I don't think that's going to
0: cut it, my friend. Uh, your your fate is sealed. Ah, uh, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. I'm sorry. Meow. <laughs>